Hello and welcome to this episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Saul Walker. And me, Lucy Chamberlain. It's been a dry, long summer, so we're thankful that autumn has arrived and so has some rain. Grass is greening up, borders are taking on their mellow patina and trees are preparing for their winter slumber, but not before the foliage fireworks begins. Autumn is a time to rejoice in all the year's hard work, slap yourself on the back and enjoy the final few weeks of beauty in the garden. It's also a prime time in the kitchen garden and allotment as pumpkins, potatoes and the last of the peas and beans are harvested and enjoyed as temperatures dip and the nights draw in. So with tales of how Lucy and I and our hard-working gardening teams are preparing for the last hurrah of the gardening year, join us as we delve into the autumn spectacle in the life of the modern head gardener. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Talking Heads podcast. We are here in our separate areas of Devon and Essex. Uh, I'm looking at the wondrous beauty that is Lucy. Good evening. Oh, my goodness. Hello. (laughs) Well, I'm looking at you again, beautifully backlit like an angel. So, you know, you've top trumped me. You look very uh, ethereal and, um, yeah, it's making your beard beautifully backlit it's this mild weather i've got a i've got a glow glow on i tell you what <laughs> it has been so mild in devon probably the same in essex i think it's even yeah, warmer it's, oh it's down your butt mm-hmm. i've been on i've been layering up and layering down today have you a uh, big big time yes yeah, yeah. It, you know it's, it's it's a bit of a weird feeling actually when you go out usually by the time the light starts fading for both morning you, you know when you're getting into the car when it's dark you know that the winter is just around the corner it's usually time for a jumper, but um I'm tempted to put on my shorts again. Though I don't really wear shorts, but you know, it was mild. Well it's been it's been glorious. It's been again for us in Essex, the high teens, you know, mid to high teens, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, which is the most delicious temperature to work in. I think anyone who's a gardener full time and or has it as their profession would agree that that sort of working temperature, when you're doing the actual physical job as opposed to just walking around the garden with a G&T in your hand or laying in a hammock, <laughs> the, the temperature of 16 to 18 degrees and dry yeah. is brilliant. It's absolutely the most perfect garden weather you could have. And all of October in Essex has been like that. I, it's going to rain tomorrow, so I've got the job for tomorrow. I'm going to be visiting the garden centres in the name of uh, East Donnellan Hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so watch out local garden centres. I'm heading your way. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, f- to work in the garden... It's just perfect. Just yeah. perfect. It's very pleasant, isn't it? I've been out Ooh. on the mower. Well, the, that's one thing. The grass oh. is back to its normal. Yeah, oh, indeed. You know, I haven't had all that time on the mower in my Zen state thinking, thinking about the world's problems, you know. Yeah, are you, I, I just get nervous when you say you've been mowing because I know it means, it means it's your thinking time. I t- I t- and that can be a good or a bad thing in Saul's world. I'll tell you what, who needs a mower at the moment? It's the British government, but we won't. This, oh, my goodness. This isn't a political yeah, that's, that's podcast. another episode so altogether. No, let's avoid that. Let's avoid that. But yeah, no, Definitely. I haven't had that much this time. But yeah, we're back to doing what I like to call the full mow. And yep. um, me and Nigel do it. And we looked at each other for a good five seconds and went, just remind me, what's the full mow again? Because <laughs> we hadn't done it in like three months. It's a bit of a weird yeah. one, isn't it? After not mowing all this time. So yeah, that was that was a, a highlight of the last week. But yeah, I'm 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 quite enjoying the garden at the moment. I think we're back onto some. It, it feels like we're back to some proper seasonality. The the yes. trees are turning yeah. really nice colour. Like you said, yep. the temperatures are very nice. There are leaves on the ground again. Bit of moisture here and there. It just feels like we're just sort of a peak autumn 
Yes. Yeah, and we have had, um, it, I don't know what it's like with you and Devon, maybe it's different, but I think the plants in Essex are quite resilient to the drought because mm. we are a dry county anyhow. So the autumn colours for us are really starting Good. to come through. There's some wonderful buttery yellows and deep purples and brilliant reds and, and lovely oranges. Um, you know, it's, it's glorious, absolutely glorious. And uh, yeah, I, I, I can't fault October one little bit for the um, the spot-on gardening weather that it's bought. Really yeah. can't. So, but it's the bookend, isn't it? It's the bookend of the season. I do like the bookends. Can't wait yeah. till April and sort of uh, early May comes around again. But then October, we've got to look forward. Let's hope it lasts. I'm hoping it'll last a couple of weeks. I've been looking at the long-range forecast, and it's going to stay quite warm, unseasonably mild. But I'm not going to complain. I think that's going to be quite... Quite nice, because there's so many things we can be doing to get on in with the garden, which is what we're going to be talking about today. We but are. um well, well, you've been on. doing some talks, though, haven't you? I was going to well, say, I, I just want to... Talk season started. Yeah, I just want to talk about my last week, because many people <laughs> remember from last week's podcast, I wasn't feeling too well at the start of the week, and then I went straight into almost six full days of what I call my extracurricular activity. So I was at uh, Southwest Britain in Bloom Awards last week, which is very nice. Uh, headed up by a, a good friend of both of ours, John Wheatley, one of the, the high-ups in the RHS. And uh, I was there doing my talk on when I was the Chelsea show manager. So that went, that was quite nice. That was to 300 people. I don't often give talks to big crowds, but um, I'm going to be honest, whether it's 20 or 300 doesn't matter because it's, you know, it's the same. It's the same. You're talking to people and you talk about things you love. Yeah. And then I went um, on Saturday to Ro RHS Rosemore and, um, it was the start of, uh, a, a, well, I'm a trustee of the Devon's Garden Trust, and we've just set up the Devon Professional Gardeners Network. Mm. So it's a networking uh, sort of day for professional head gardeners, gardeners that work in the industry. And this is the first time we've managed to meet because this is something we've been thinking about for the last four years so we all met at Stolens in 2019 to discuss how we were going to run it. And then the blooming pandemic came along, didn't it? And that sort of scuppered plans. Mm -hmm. And then it's taken us a good three years to get it almost off the ground. So that was great. There was 37 of us, uh, head gardeners. Oh, wow, from, that's brilliant numbers. Yeah, brilliant numbers. Yeah, both from yeah. private and public-facing gardens. We had a really good talk by um, a guy called Joshua Sparks, who used to be the head gardener of Ford Abbey down here, but is now set up this... Um, really interesting. Um, you'd probably be interested in it because it was all about natural farming. Uh, the, this, Jap oh, right. this Japanese method of farming within a natural environment. So rather than it being quite controlled systems like we have in our veg gardens, it was actually growing food within uh, a wild scheme. So sort of rewilding with food growing a, a bit. Um, agroforestry, maybe permaculture. I'd say forest that, gardening, yes. That kind of thing. But there were some extra elements. I, you know, I, I didn't fully understand it all. And some of it I was thinking, well, yields can't be truly that high if you're doing it like you were going to do. But I guess it was more subsistence farming yes. rather than yeah. for uh, commercial production not yield driven yeah, yeah exactly so really interesting talk um and then we had a great talk by jonathan webster who's the curator of rosemore oh, yeah. uh, do you know jonathan i know jonathan you yes do know i jonathan. do from my yeah. from my wisley days yes oh I do. okay yes yeah yeah 
Yeah, he was one of the superintendents there back on the in the Woody department when That's I was it, yeah. uh, working at Wesley. Yes. Oh, how is how is Jonathan? Is he he's, good? He's very well. Yeah, he's been there for he's Lovely. been curator for about ten years, I think now. And um, mm. and funny enough, tomorrow I'm off to go and see him talk again at the Alpine Garden Society because he's a big Alpine uh, nutter. So um, it's nice that you're reciprocating though to be a listener as opposed to the talker because you've done I've yes, done you've done absolutely. your fair share of talking. Yeah, you I've done give enough. The voice yeah. arrest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And so nice to sit there and actually listen yeah. and uh, be on the receiving end of the talk for a change. Yeah. So uh, enjoy that that bit of downtime, Saul. Yeah. Do you know, I, I enjoy talks in general, but, uh, mm. like giving them, both giving them, but I actually really do enjoy sitting and listening to other people because it'd be funny how much uh, information you probably didn't know about. Or you always glean something. You know, some subjects you like, you think you know it all, and then suddenly little nugget comes out and you sort of I'm going to go and investigate do a bit more research on that so anyway yes so tomorrow is the end of my very busy week and then I have two free weekend days and I have no idea what don't say that because people will listen to that now and fill them in for you they'll right come and see me come and do this so very very busy but you've been busy as well you've been at Alting again I hear I have been today yeah I'm back at East Donland again tomorrow but I've been at Alting Wick today working with Philippa Borough and uh, oh, what a lovely day to go! Let's say the mm, sunshine was, was just glorious. There was a slight breeze today, but oh, she set me to task pulling apart the old farmyard garden, which is where all the the, the gorgeous tropical lovelies live. Um, so I've been oh, it was just amazing. I was I had to cut down some ricin, and this if you've been to Philippa's garden, you know the ricin is a real statement plant there. So to then go in there and just gaily lop it back because it's an annual you sow from seed each spring that had to come out so that was a bit like oh my god have I really got to do that take that out but once I got into it I was like ah destruction destruction so that was great and then the the end sets or insettes I uh, that's they've come out and been potted up I also got some muses out and uh, some miscanthus nepalensis which is a lovely little miscanthus that was really nice that's been potted up and put in the greenhouse because it doesn't Want the wet? It's like got the dark heads. It's sort of. It's almost like a, a gin- dark head. Same kind of colour as your beard, saw actually. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, quite. Yeah. but quite, quite, quite a, a diminutive miscanthus. Mm. It's not actually very tall. It was only uh, maybe about two to a half, three foot tall, or something like that. So yeah, but that's all been potted up. So yeah, lots of the begonias. Philip is very much into a hardy begonias so um and the canna musifolia which you and i love and anyone else who's grown it will know it's just a huge big thing yeah, slicing that down and actually kind of like healing it in bare root into crates um yeah i've been doing that all day and it's just been glorious i've made a huge big pile for the compost heap <laughs> um you get a rosy glow in when you're doing that kind of job and it's just so satisfying um you know what will happen is when those beds are cleared all the tulips will then go in that's what then happens at that point. So uh, it's it, in a sense, it's a race against time because there's some things in there that are a bit more delicate, so they need to be got out before the frost. But this October is is proving very, yeah. uh, you know, accommodating for that. And then the dahlias, of which there's many beautiful dahlia specimens, they won't actually get taken out till they've been frosted back because that then gets them into dormancy. Otherwise, they'll keep on growing. So they need the cold to actually kind of like stop press the stop button for them and it gets kind of like you know gets them into dormancy for the winter so loads of stuff i'm going to be doing that for another few weeks until matt starts in early november um oh, okay. yeah once a week it's just it's nice it's just like you say it's nice to get out and see 
different gardens, other gardens and other gardeners. I had a lovely catch up with Philippa, a lovely catch up with Matt, who came to the garden today for lunchtime, had a really good natty with him. So, yeah, just an amazing day. Really lovely. It sounds wonderful. I, do you know, I always think that we should all take out a day out of our own garden to go and help another garden. It's quite interesting. At one of my talks, Mike Neelums was there, who is the curator, sort of ex-curator of Tresco Islands uh, on the Isles of Scilly, Tresco Garden. And uh, he takes his guys to uh, south, south of France, the Riviera, for two weeks to two other gardens where they go and do a bit of work. Um I think that's quite nice, you know. That sounds hell on earth to me. Oh, my goodness me. (laughs) God, what a treat is that? And I I think that's what we should all do. Maybe we should make that, uh, yeah, uh, uh, a part of our working lives, that we get out of our own gardens for a week. Maybe we can do, uh, what's it called? Wife Swap on Channel 4. I can't remember. It is called Wife Swap. Garden Swap. Garden Swap. Take yeah. teams from boat to gardens. I'm, here oh, we go. I'm commissioning. I'm commissioning a TV series. <laughs> if we have any TV producers that listen to the podcast, here is a commission for you. A pitch. We take two gardening teams and we swap their gardens, and they're very different gardens, and we see how each other cope. Do you know there'd be a lot of fudging around with keys and gates? Because I've worked out that with every garden, it's yeah. the, the there's some there's some dodgy locks around and you've got to have a certain knack with the key and lifting gates um every gate has its mannerisms doesn't it it's got, it's got its character so i've spent a, a few times just kind of sitting there with the key in the lock twisting it around thinking there's got to be a knack there's got to be a knack am i going to get it and then about two minutes later i'm in so that was my morning the first thing this morning or well, the other thing will be but where are the hose lock connectors then yeah he's got to keep them around here somewhere Every drawer, How do you drive the tractor? That's I it. can see the wheels. Where's the <laughs> yeah? Where's the PTO shaft? Oh my hey, god! This sounds like a good program. There could be in loads of material in that. I think it's a brilliant idea. I really do. Honestly, hand on heart, fantastic. You, you heard it here first. If it appears on Channel Four in the next year, you know that someone's the listening to this. The royalty fees need to be coming into Saul Walker. Exactly, Definitely. exactly. And talking <laughs> of fees, we have one person to thank on our buy me a coffee. Oh, um, we want to thank Jason. Uh, Jason has uh, sent us a nice message saying he saved some money. I believe he saved some money from our last podcast. So, oh, brilliant! Oh, well, that's so nice, Jason, Jason, that you've reciprocated. I'm I'm really, oh, that's really nice to hear. Thank you, very thoughtful. It is so. Thank you, yes, thank you very much to Jason, and thank you to everyone who 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 talks to us regularly on our Twitters and Instagrams, tells us how their day's been. Tufty is in touch. Tufty, I think Tufty must listen every weekend. I th- I he's a superstar. He, he's, he, I think he was doing something in his shorts and his t-shirt. He has. He's a. He's a hardy, a hardy gardener. I think uh, always out in his shorts. So uh, <laughs> hope your garden's really nice this weekend, Tufty. And uh, we look forward to hearing what's going on in your garden. But mm. talking of going on in the garden, we're going to talk about what we're going to get up to the in the <laughs> autumn. Hey, segways are all my thing. Um, they are. We've got a few things to talk. Lots of these are probably going to be things that you're already either doing or you're thinking about, but hopefully you're going to get one or two ideas about things you can get on with probably in the next two to three weeks, especially with while the, the weather is with us for, for really good gardening. Shall I go first? Do you want to go first? Um, You go first. Go for it. If you're okay, ready. I'll yeah. go first because we've already mentioned the mowing, so I thought I'd, I'd mention it more. Obviously, in this weather, the grass is actually growing quite a lot. But 
we don't want to be hammering it too hard at the moment because soon it will go into its dormancy. The cold weather will come and it needs to have a little bit of a winter jacket on. This is what I like to say. It needs to have a little coat on just to get it through the winter. So it's well worth putting your mower up a level if you can, if you've got one of the mowers that you can put up mm. and down and just sort of tip it from now on just to give it a little bit more length, just to harden off. Uh, you, if you want to put a, a feed down, you probably should have done it already, although the mild weather's still good and gets it a little bit more winter uh, hard, ready for those cold temperatures. But yes, still keep mowing. That's the thing I will say. As long as the grass is growing, keep mowing it. You know, if this temperatures keep up, I might be out till Christmas. Yeah. Um, but yeah, keep yeah. going on those lawns. Well, we've just scarified ours at the hall. And actually, we are Have a little you? bit late to put the feed down, but we're going to do that. Yeah. It is still so mild for us that I think mm. it's no problem when we're trying to get it looking really, really plush for, you know, for the for the end of this year. So, yeah, fully agree. That's a, it's a really... Um, if your garden's looking a bit tatty and you want to make yourself feel feel better about it, especially if you've got a self-propelled mower, so it's not too physically demanding, just go out and cut the grass. And honestly, it's like, bing, just refreshes it yeah. straight away as well. Amazing, so actually from it? a motivational point of view, because it can be a little bit, you know, overwhelming this time of year when you've got to tidy up your stuff and kind of like get it all sorted. And that's a great thing to start off with. And also the grass clippings are fantastic compost activators at the moment because we're going to be collecting yeah. a lot of leaves there's going to be a lot of carbon going into your compost heaps. So a few bits of the old green grass will, uh, will add a bit of nitrogen and give it a bit of a kickstart. Oh, we love talking about the carbon-nitrogen ratio, don't we? Oh, yes. Goodness me. <laughs> That's made my heart race, that has. Very... <laughs> so um, I've obviously been lifting and potting up tender plants today. So that is uh, a job that's high on the priorities list. If you're anyone who owns anything remotely tender or borderline hardy, and especially if you're in a wet part of the, the world, which might be somebody in the southwest, such as mm. Saul or his, his, his merry uh, gathering of head gardeners the other day. They might be all doing this fervently at the moment. But yeah, anything that's tender, um, lifting it up, potting it up if it's not already in a container and just making sure it's protected, let's say, not only from the cold, the frost, but also from the wet. That's a really important thing to do now. So that's what I've been, been doing all day today. I won't talk about that too much because I've already got very excited about what I've been doing today already so but one thing I just wanted to really flag up because actually I put this out on Instagram that I've been doing this at the hall at the moment and Stuart Jackson who follows us on Twitter and also follows me on Instagram said oh Lucy can you talk about this a little bit more because Stuart is a a wonderful human being because he teaches children about gardening oh one of the best absolutely Stuart hats off to you you're doing a fantastic job and we know from the interviews that we've had on the podcast in the past, whenever we talk to our peers, uh, you know, head gardeners, other people in the industry, there's always a connection to them having a gardening experience that they remember as a child, a positive experience. So the more that can be locked into those wonderful little brains that are developing, the better. So well done you for doing that. So I can happily talk to you about pelagonium cuttings. So <laughs> we've got loads of pelagoniums at the hall, some of them in, in pots and they're very easy to overwinter. And uh, we've got others in bigger containers. And so what I do is I lift them up and then I pop them up individually into a nice potting compost. And also in combination with that, I'm pruning stuff back just to keep the plants bushy and compact, stop them being so top heavy. If you've got loads of plants to overwinter, it obviously can just physically decrease the size and make it a lot easier to get them on the greenhouse staging, for example. So, so that is quite a practical thing. And then you end up with all this foliage. You're like, well, I'll take some cuttings. So um, non-flowering side shoots, or if there's flowers on them, you can just snap them off. 
make the cuttings about um, four inches long, something like that. Remove the lower leaves and um, make it so that they're this year's growth and they've got a nice decent extension growth between the leaf nodes. They're the ones that I seem to find root really, really well. And yeah, just then winkle them into either individual large modules, which I find really good because the leaves then don't touch each other. So if you get one cutting that rots off, it then doesn't contaminate the others. You can quickly rip it out or around the edge of um, a pot. And it needs to contain either like a really free draining uh, seed and cuttings compost, or you can use a mixture of vermiculite or perlite or compost, or all three blended together. Um, give them somewhere with a little bit of gentle heat, a bit of bottom heat if you can. If you haven't got a propagator, a little plastic bag over the top, but ideally you close uh, lid propagator because it's rigid and it won't sort of like crash down on the, the plants as, as um, polythene bags sometimes can when you water them. Um, yeah, and they should root this autumn. So job done yeah nice idea and uh, do you know it's always worth doing new pelagoniums because the old ones mm. can get quite woody after a while and look a little bit sadder and just having those new fresh vigorous plants is good it's good it's also good uh disease control and all sorts of things like that yeah, yeah. i find for the white fly definitely because you can actually you can actually kind of like if you want to wash the cuttings off in some water and get rid of any white fly and be quite meticulous about it and then you break in that life cycle so and also good to make new plants you can sell all those garden societies <laughs> <laughs> we'll not, we won't go back a few episodes anyway um i'm gonna steal your thunder slightly you because you've probably got this down but you can't always be the one who's talking about the vegetables i can't i've it's, just talked about tender plants so you go that true it. exactly you know i've also got a veg garden so now's <laughs> a good time still get those garlic cloves in we talked about that last week but also well especially down here in the west country it's a little bit mild you can start putting in overwinter ring onion sets as well i mm. do like to do this to get them on their way before the start of spring because i find that uh, if they're already in the ground quite well and secure they don't get so bothered by birds and all sorts and, and things digging around the other thing is is your autumn broad beans oh you have stole that hey? from me. oh I sorry that down. no it's all right oh, <laughs> I, knew, I, I, I knew i'd steal some of your thunder yeah get your uh, autumn broad beans in this will get them away uh i generally do mine in modules to start with and then i'll get them planted out and then if i need to protect them i will over winter but i haven't generally had to do that for quite a bit of time but that means you'll get a really good early crop and it also avoids some of the uh some of the more um, interesting problems with slugs and snails early on in the year with the more spring-sown broad beans. So, yeah, well worth getting in. Now, I think that the Sutton's a good variety. Have you got mm -hmm. any other good overwintering ones? Because Demonica's more of a spring-sown one, is it? Demonica's right? a spring-sowing yeah. one. And like you say, the Sutton is, is very good because it's quite compact. And so um, it's good for people who've got slightly smaller plots or if they just don't want the broad beans to get big. So the classic one to sow is Aquadulce claudia. Aquadulce. Yeah, yeah, which is a, a huge big broad bean that by the time you get it to actually cropping in maybe late May or June of next year will be well over a metre 20 high. Uh, the, the Sutton would only get maybe to 60, 70 centimetres, something like that. So it's much more manageable. But at saying that, I find the yield from Aquadulce is immense especially from right. these autumn sowings. I've, I do sow in spring as well because I love broad beans, but the <laughs> uh, the yield of the spring sown plants is nothing compared to the autumns. Um, and that, all I would add to that is that I've, I've found, and then again, this is through trial and error, that if I sow my broad beans too early and they get to, say, a foot high come the, the winter when the temperatures are so cold that they stop growing, they're, they're actually much more vulnerable to 
damage through gales, through wind rock, and then rotting yeah. off, which is a real okay. problem for them. And also to say if the snow comes and crushes them down. So I'm I'm actually sitting back because I notice the temperatures at the, at the minute, as we've said, are still quite warm. Okay. And I'm going to wait till maybe later this month. So I only want the, but you know, but this is for me. I'm sowing outside, so I because yeah, yeah. I've got a light sandy soil, so I'll sow mine outside. I only okay. want them to be about three or four inches tall by the time that cold weather comes. And then I can put cloches over them, which is really straightforward if it gets very, very wet. But they will sit tight better if they're actually really quite young. It's sort of like, you know, counterintuitive. But I have just found that, the, you know, the really tall plants, they get flattened and damaged by winds and they struggle. So Talking of that, am I right in thinking you're the veg expert, so you'll know, it's a good time to maybe earth up your kales and your Brussels sprouts just mm. to secure them make them a little less vulnerable to yeah. being knocked over. And a huge old purple sprouting. Either, like you say, earth them up or stake them. Stake them, you, yeah, yeah. Yeah, whichever way, yeah, yeah, anything like that, just to support them because, um, yeah, yeah, they, it, it's the wind that can be a bit of a nuisance for these rather lofty plants. And uh, talking of uh, uh, getting things ready for the wind, roses as well. I just oh. thought that off the top of my... Oh, yo, go no, for it. Well, no, that, well, no, it's fine. It's just I had... That I'm was my... <laughs> I'm stealing everything from you tonight. <laughs> Whoa, it's Denny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, roses. Um, I've been doing this at the hall because we've got... Actually, we've got some that are very low flowering. We've got a particular rambler called... Um, rambler rose called Crimson Shower, which does flower actually August, September time. So I've only just deadheaded that. But other roses on the estate, we will be reducing their height. And as Saul was inferring, that's to, to re reduce the likelihood again of wind rock. And I referenced that in the, the broad bean talk about just now. So, yeah, so roses, if they get very top heavy, reduce them by about a, a third to a half. Just take that top rope off. You're not giving them a hard prune. It's just to keep them nice and, you know, as I say, stop that top heaviness. Because a lot of roses have got that vase shape. Yeah. And invariably, if the, the vase gets too top heavy and the winds come, then they'll rock around. And then what happens is the stem can either you know, damage roots by the movement or you get this little smeared kind of like hole around the stem and then water can collect around the base of the stem and cause rotting. So, and that's what wind rock is. So there you go. Go go for another one. I can tell you on the roll, but that was my, that was my next one. Um, <laughs> so. The other thing, now, one thing I wanted to mention is bulbs. Now, a lot of people, I think, especially if you watch Twitter, this happens lots in spring, is everyone gets very, um, what's the word, a little bit twitchy on getting sowing seeds or just because they see people doing it they think oh i'm too late i'm too late you're not too late you've got plenty of time on the bulbs literally mine were delivered mm. on monday uh what's that yeah two days ago so uh tulips and daffodils uh i've separated them into um into trugs now and we will be planting those over the next two three weeks so you have yeah. plenty of time. I know lots of people have probably already got their bulbs almost a month, two months ago. They're just very keen, very keen on it. You know, we hate gardeners. A little we, bit smug. Yeah, a bit smug. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we hate gardeners. We don't have as much time to think about these things. So it's whenever it happens. But yes, we have bulbs. Uh, and to be honest... You could probably get away with it all the way till the end of November, especially tulips that like to be planted oh, a lot easily. later. Yeah, yeah. Shall I say actually, tulips like being planted later. Like you, I think you said that last week. Let's say because of the tulip fire, yeah. so they do actually like that later planting. So yeah, well within time. I've got some daffs planted. I've still got some more to to plant out. I haven't planted the tulip yet. Yeah, you know. So. so don't panic. That's all I can say. The same as next year when it gets to April and everyone's sown their seeds. 
don't panic. You've got so much time. It's not the end of the world. Just because Twitter does it doesn't mean we all have to. I know. I know there are pressures, aren't there, with social yeah. media, which is a whole yeah. new episode in itself. But uh, yeah, please just run that your own, run your own race. That's the exactly. way to do it, definitely. Yeah. So talking about sowing, there's loads of stuff that's sown in spring. But and you mentioned yeah. forward beans being sown in the autumn. What about sweet peas? Oh, sweet peas. Yeah. You know, now is a brilliant time to sow sweet peas. I always do an autumn sowing of sweet peas because the plants will germinate now and this the, the gentle warmth, they're very hardy, so they will germinate now. And you can sow them into root trainers, you can put them on the greenhouse staging and you know, in an unheated greenhouse or whatever you want to do, or you can have them in a cold frame outside, you know, somewhere a little bit sheltered. And it just gives the plants a really hugely sturdy and vast root system by the time they then start throwing up their flowering stems come the spring of course do spring sowing sweet peas as well and then you'll get a lovely flowering display to 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 pick up the baton from where the autumn ones burn out because invariably that happens with things like powdery mildew and and things like that so so do a spring sowing too but if you can get some sweet peas in the um i say root trainers or modules now a deep pot is absolutely fine as well they do have a big root system that's why it's recommended it's slightly deeper and i have i've actually found that you know the soaking the seed or the scarifying the seed i tried that as an experiment a few years now right. uh, ago now is at east Dunland hall i found that the seeds i didn't do anything to i didn't soak them or scarify them germinated just as well as the ones that i did Interesting. Okay. so that was just my mini experiment, my my very uh, citizen science experiment. So, you know, if, ever, if you've ever tried it and you've noticed distinct differences, please do let us know because I, I would be fascinated. There's quite a few ways of doing it. Is it chipping? You can lay them on a piece of wet kitchen towel, all kinds of methods yeah. trying to get them. Yeah. But yeah, if you just sew them and that works, go for it. Now, Lucy's off to garden centres this uh, tomorrow or <laughs> tomorrow. over the next few days. Uh, it's mainly because it's going to rain and I've been waiting to put this job off because I've, there's lots to do at the hall and I thought, well, I'll wait for a rainy day. But that's my job for tomorrow because it's due to rain in Essex. Do you know, now is the perfect time to get down your garden centre because not only are they putting the Christmas wrapping out, oh, jeez, but... <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Generally, <laughs> generally <laughs> they think planting season's over. So all these plants that they haven't sold are coming down in price. But now is ideal time to get Best herbaceous time. perennials, especially. God, yes. Even bulbs. I, you know, I went down to our local garden said they've already half-priced the bulbs. And I'm like, you're far too early. But it's because they need to get that all the way out to get in the plastic snowman and you know, name it for the next few months. But yeah, now is a great time to go down your garden centre and get some bargains. They won't be looking good. You know, the plants aren't going to do anything now. But get them in the soil. It's nice and warm, really mild. There's a lot of moisture there now with all the rain we've been having. And mm. hopefully they'll settle in and they'll romp away next spring rather than you waiting to plant them then. So, yeah, ideal time to get down, not only to get a bargain, but also to get some really, really good plants in time for next year. I'm so glad that this episode won't be going out until Saturday and we're recording midweek because my plans to go tomorrow, if... if... <laughs> I don't want any competition, so I want to be able to go there and glean the bargains myself before this information is widespread. So that's brilliant. Yep, do go to the garden centres because I'll have already been and got the best stuff, so that's fine. No problem. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Leaves are falling. We talked about leaf colour right at the start of this episode. Leaves are falling in their masses. We did have quite a windy day in Essex today. And uh, honestly, when they fall, don't wait for the rains to come. If you can get them up before 
then it's a lot easier whilst they're still flitting about and, and not sort of like padded down and weighted down yeah. by the rain. But also make leaf mould out of them. You know, oh, yeah. that is such a satisfying thing to do. And actually a really easy way to do that is just to mow them up. Because what you're then doing is you've got the grass clippings mixed in with the leaf mould. It's okay, it's not pure leaves but then you've got a little bit of something a little as you say a little activator there to actually get them rotting down um leaf mold in the very traditional way is just the leaves and it's very slow process because it's mainly fungi rather than bacteria that rots the leaves down so it can be quite slow and it's a kind of cold process but if you put a little bit of grass with it a it's really easy to pick up the leaves with the mower job done and also the the grass like i say activates it and speeds things up a tiny bit so Please make leaf mold. It's a wonderful uh, a soil conditioner, mulch. We talk, you know, lots of people doing no dig now. If you want to generate lots of compost for yourself, leaf mold is a brilliant way to do it. No one should be taking leaves to the dump or putting them in their green bins, uh, you know, their green bags to be sent yeah. off because leaves are the ultimate soil improver. At the end of the day, we wouldn't have the forests of the world without leaf mulch at the end of the day. And, it's, and even if you don't have a bin or you don't think you don't have the space to set them, if you've just got a bed, just tuck them at the back of the bed or just put them on your beds because they will break down into the soil. So they'll eventually be used. So, yeah, yeah, use your leaves because, do you know, I think we should ha we have two oak trees just outside. They don't belong to me, but I still go out there and I get my fr free leaves. It's amazing, you know. No one wants leaves these days. But if you want to go and get a load of leaves, go and find them. Can I just add as well, you make a leaf wreath. Uh, so you remember Kevin from Bewley? Yes. Yeah. So he sent me a lovely message the other day just to check how we were all were. And he was saying hello and everything. And I just said, he sent me a photograph of his leaf wreath. And it was stunning. Absolutely right. stunning. So um, if you've got a little bit of time to spare, maybe the odd hour, hour and a half, and you've got a, a wreath ring and you feel a little bit creative honestly have a go it was it was a thing of beauty it really was obviously very fleeting and very temporary and compared to maybe a christmas wreath but just oh you know it's very i think that's a very mindful tactile yeah. creative beautiful thing to do so i was really taken by that it's a nice way to be in contact with the garden in a more creative art kind of way isn't it yeah and it was lovely to say, say hi to Kevin as well. Yeah, we're going to be there next spring. I've noticed the website is already updated with our photos. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Are we locked in? We're locked in. <laughs> we're going to be there. Uh, but we'll, oh, lovely. We will advertise that close to the time. Now, it's, it's autumn. Enjoy your garden. Uh, there are plenty of jobs to be getting on with, more than we've, uh, we've, we've said there. But uh, if the main thing is, is just enjoy the next few weeks for the beauty it will bring. Another episode is at an end, and we hope you've enjoyed listening to us chat about how we approach our gardening lives. As the year progresses, we'll bring more of our unique brand of horticultural waffle as we continue to chronicle the end of 22 garden season and think ever more into what 2023 will bring us. If you've enjoyed listening to us, we'd love you to leave a review via your preferred podcast provider or on your social media platform. Interact with us via our Twitter accounts at Gardening Saul and at Head Gardener LC. Lucy is also over on Instagram, again, at Head Gardener LC. If you so feel inclined, you can even support us via our Buy Me a Coffee webpage. Find the link at the bottom of this podcast episode description. As our gardening clothing changes and adapts with the decreasing temperatures and increasing rain showers, so the garden evolves over the autumn and crescendos into a massive spectacle of burnt oranges and magnificent reds. 
it's a time for enjoying the efforts we've made over the past many months in our gardens and to start those exciting plans for next year. The garden is an ever-changing tapestry that makes the most exciting of jobs. So, until the next episode of Talking Heads... Goodbye! Bye! <laughs> <laughs>